Welcome to track number nine, Preparation of the Gospel. All right, where were we? Verse 20. So, another message now. David left his courage in the hand of the keeper, another sign of responsibility, and ran into the army, saluted his brethren. And he talked with them, and behold, there came up the champion of the Philistines of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that is come to defy? Verse 26. David spake to the man, said, What shall be done? Verse 27. And the people answered, So shall it be. Verse 28. And Eliab, his eldest brother, when he spake unto the man, Eliab's anger was kindled. And he says, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. Amen. Now, once again, As you step out with the Mashak anointing, eh, expect certain things. Amen. Expect to be accused, especially of pride. Amen. You understand? Yeah. Expect to be accused of pride and of evil motives. Amen. Now, when the devil accuses you, you must realize that it is easy to believe yourself. You easily wonder whether you are a good person. How many have wondered yourself whether you are a good person or a bad person? Raise up your hand. Huh? Oh, it has also happened to you. I thought it was only me. So when I'm doing something, I'm trying to help somebody, I'm trying to do the work of God. So many things come to my mind and I wonder whether I'm a bad person or a good person. Because you see, the accusations are to confuse you, slow you down, make you stumble, make you hesitate. So that in the end, you don't do what you have to do. And that is why the devil sends certain words to you. You! This and that. Before you realize, you are now confused. And you are now questioning whether indeed you are a good person or a bad person. Standard. Standard. Hmm? So you must expect yourself to doubt yourself. As long as you want 100% assurance, you don't want to work with God. Anybody who wants 100% assurance does not want to work with God. When you work with God, you cannot have 100% assurance. Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying. To work by faith means to walk by things that are not seen and as long as you are dealing with something you cannot see uh, there will always be some uncertainty 
What do you think? Huh? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So as long as you are operating by faith and in faith, there will always be unseen elements to whatever you are doing. And once some of the things are not seen, eh, you will always have an element of not being sure. You will never be 100% sure when you are going to get married. If you are 100% sure, you are marvelous. Yeah. How many have realized that you are not 100% sure about your relationships? Those of you who are in relationships. How many have realized that you are not 100% sure? Yeah. The rest of you are not in relationships. How many of you are in relationships? Uh, how many are not in relationships? All right. Some are on the fence. You are working things out. Don't worry. People have given birth. You bound me to get somebody to marry. <laughs> Hallelujah. You will never be sure. Whether you should be in the ministry, you will never be sure. You will never be sure. And you will be sure up to a point where at a point you feel that there is an element of... Uh, <laughs> that is why even when you are a pastor and you are correcting people, the Bible says you should do it in a spirit of meekness. Because you don't know also yourself. You can never be sure of yourself whether the same crime is not in you. You are not supposed to rebuke in the church. You are not supposed to rebuke with over strength. You must be cautious. It's when you are not mellowed and mature. You see, when Rollins came, Say you've stolen this, you've stolen this, you've gone for a loan, you've not done. Okay, come, execution. Do you see? As you go a bit and you become more mellowed and mature, you realize that we don't execute just like that. Oh? Yeah. So I am talking about uncertainty. Uncertainty is part of Christianity. Write it down. Uncertainty is part of Christianity. That is what this message, the first message was about responsibility. And now I am talking about uncertainty. Uncertainty is part of Christianity. Amen. You are going to be uncertain about whatever you are doing amen Amen. how many are uncertain about whether you should ever be a missionary raise your hand you are uncertain put your hand down how many are certain how many are certain but you are a little uncertain (laughs) does it i said does it if you ask me now what is my calling? Am I a pastor? Am I an apostle? I'm not sure. Am I an evangelist? I'm not sure. Am I a prophet? I'm not sure. Am I a teacher? I'm not sure. 
Honestly, I'm not sure about what I'm, I am. I have some ideas, but the certainty, do you understand, is, is low. Because we are dealing with unseen things. You see, if you are cooking and you are putting salt, pepper, this, this, that, you can have an idea that it's going to be okay. But at times, even though you think that it's okay, it's not working. Over the bar or under the bar. How many have cooked and you were surprised there was no salt in the food? How many have cooked and you were surprised there was too much salt in the food? Huh? Because you cannot see the salt. You cannot see the salt. You cannot see the pepper. So how can you be sure how much it is? If you see a rat in your house and you kill it, can you be sure that there is not another? Are you sure that the one you killed is the one you saw? Supposing you see it on Monday and you kill one on Tuesday. How do you know that the one you killed on Tuesday is the one you saw on Monday? Because they are unseen things. You will always be unsure. Once you are dealing with unseen, intangible things and you are a human being on this earth, the element of uncertainty. Bible says, faith is the evidence of things not seen. So when they ask you, where is this place? I'm using these evidence. I can't see. But I'm using the evidence to operate and to work. You will always be unsure. And the devil's attacks on you are directed and intended to make you even more unsure. And more uncertain of your whole existence and your whole life. Are you listening to me? So don't be worried. As you get more into your preparation for God's work. Don't be worried about the questions that come. How many times I have prayed and I have cried. They say, Lord, just appear to me and tell me that what I'm doing is right. Or not, so that I can know what to do. Just a minute. One day, I remember I was in a hotel praying. I prayed from the morning till the evening. He never appeared. I walked out of the room, still uncertain. I prayed, trusting God with some amount of uncertainty. And then, when certain things come up, you meet Eliab at dinner, Abinadab's. Shamas and such people and they have certain comments to make it throws you off somebody was coming to work in the church in the ministry and the parents said to the person do you think you see, your bishop has been to university for so many years. You think if he had just had a first degree. But I just have a first degree. Another person said, do you think your bishop, if when he finished his school, 
they asked him to go and sit in somebody's church's bookshop. He would have gone to sit there. Why should you go and sit in somebody's bookshop? <laughs> then you become uncertain. Abinadabs are speaking. Eliabs are working hard. Hmm? Oh, you don't understand what I'm talking about. And they would say to you, it's not everybody who is okay in the church. Just a few of them are okay. Question mark. Shama. Many things. You meet your colleagues. So, I'm going to do my PhD in Norway. What, what, what are you doing? I'm at Kolegono. Oh, Kolegono. What are you doing there? I'm working in the church. I'm selling books in the bookshop. Are you mad? Are you listening to me? I'm preaching a good message. It's a good message. Hmm? What do you think? Is it a good message? So don't let it throw you off. Because me, I'm still not sure. Tell us one. He said, don't be spooky. Choose a country and go there. That's all. And he said to me, you, you go to South America. You take South America. I'll be dead by then. He said to me, I'll be dead by then. You take South America. And after that, we go to Spain. Okay? I said, yes, sir. And he went on. Should I take it as a prophecy? Should I spookify it? Should I say that it was just a casual or was it? You see, I, I'm not sure. you never be sure. South America is a place that I believe God wants me to go. Then I was leaving a church. We gathered and we're praying. They prayed for us. As they prayed for us and they let us go, a pastor came from nowhere and he said to me, the Lord has laid it on my heart that you should go to South America. He didn't know anything about T.L. Osborne. Am I sure? I'm not sure. Should I spookify the thing or I should... (laughs) but you see there's always some element where you are not sure are you dreaming are you over dreaming when we're going to start our church in london very bad thoughts came to me why 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 there are people there already there are people who are doing this that this and that that and that and that and that why oh why superfly You'll never be 100% sure because you are dealing with unseen elements. One day, I went somewhere and I was staying in a house and they showed me a picture. A very big snake had been caught in the house. The snake is as long as from here to that pillar. Something like this. About this. And the thickness is like this. So much so that the snake could not even climb the wall. 
So they showed me. Say, have you seen anaconda before? Say, when they were trying to kill, you, could, you couldn't go near the snake to kill it. All. They had to throw big blocks before one would hit the head and like that, or before it died. So I said, are there any more snakes in the house? They said, oh no. Then I said, how do you know? And they said, when they opened the snake, were a lot of eggs. So I said, he said, oh, the snake was trying to climb the wall, but he couldn't climb the wall. So I said, how did it climb the wall to come in? So if it didn't climb because it couldn't climb, then it means it has been there for years. So I said, look inside all the manholes and see if there are other relatives there. When I saw him, I said, have you seen any? He said, there's none. Then I saw him again later and I said, are you sure there's no snake in this? As I was walking in the house, I said. You see, you, you feel you've tried that. There's always that element. You've tried to try to make the thing as certain as possible. But in the Christian world and in your work with God, we walk by faith, not by sight. That element will be there. And so the Lord is trying to tell you that. Don't let it disturb you, the fact that you are uncertain. When I was getting married, I was uncertain. I was wondering, I was trying to feel, you see, that we had been led about peace, the peace of God. So I was trying to see if there was peace there or that feeling. Was it my stomach or peace? No peace or my stomach. <laughs> You'll never be sure. But it doesn't mean that you're not supposed to move. Every true man of God who would tell you, he would tell you that he's also afraid. Look, when I went to preach in Colombia, I saw the people. I was afraid. If I don't tell you, I was afraid. between me and you. You don't tell them, but I was afraid. I saw them say, hey. I just went and I opened my Bible, preached what I knew how to preach. As I was there, because of the number of soldiers that were around me, and even on the stage with guns, I was afraid because just before I came, they told me that a pastor was killed. After church, he was getting his car. Somebody came up to him like that, just put the gun and shot him and walked away. Pastors, they killed pastors. Then when we were going, the priest, they said, Catholic Bishop was officiating communion in the church. They just shot him in church. So he said, Pastor, they killed pastors in Colombia. So as I had come there with soldiers, I was afraid. I remember one day I went to another place. I saw somebody coming to the stage. I said, This is it. When they come, I said, This is it. <laughs> then suddenly the guy took whatever else. It was a camera. He was coming to take a picture. I said, Man. <laughs> uncertainty <laughs> I said this is it the guy was walking like that he was holding something I said the man is coming to kill me and he took the thing out and cried. I said Lord <laughs> I 
<laughs> when you are going to a place like that, you ask yourself, is it wise to go or foolish to go? Does God want you to go and sacrifice your life or does he want you to, is it wisdom to stay or is it foolishness to go? So whatever you decide, you always have an element of uncertainty. So don't, don't, don't let that disturb you too much in your work with God. When you see God has called, has he really called me or I'm just saying something or all my friends are doing it so I feel I should do it or it looks like well, that's what people are doing so I'm doing it. It will come to your mind by all means. If it doesn't come to your mind, it's not normal. It must come to your mind. But you cannot allow these uncertainties to guide you. Doubt your doubts. I said doubt your doubts. Trust in God. And just leave it to the Lord. As long, Look, even Jesus. Do you know that I'm sure at a point, Jesus wondered about himself. Let me show you. I think I will take my time to find that verse. In the book of John. I found it already. John chapter 13. Verse 1. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, and that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Amen. Amen. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Verse 3, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper. Listen to this. It says, Jesus knowing that he was come from God. You see, a time came when he himself had to know that he was come from God. And so Jesus now got to the place where he now knew that he was come from God and that he was going to God and that God had put all things into him. Riseth and go to the supper. A time will come when you must know that you have been called by God. That this is it. And you'll be surprised that somebody like Jesus will have to come to the place where it says that Jesus now knowing that God had given all things into his hand and that he was come from God and went to God. Jesus Christ, knowing that he was come from God and that he was going to God. You see that even as he was on this earth, you get it, being questioned and challenged all the time. Challenged, are you, who do you think you are? Are you, are you, are you, you are, are you, are you? But now Jesus knowing in himself that he was come from God. And that he went to God, riseth, and did the will of God. Challenge the doubts. Challenge the doubts. Challenge the doubts. That's why sometimes when certain things come, I analyze it. I say, look, this thing is not true. That's why sometimes when I hear people accusing me, why are you sending this person when the person And I look at what people do for other reasons. How they separate themselves and their families for years. Husband and wife will be separate, risking. Your husband is traveling all over in different risky planes, and you too. 
But that's not a problem. But if you send somebody else, then you have other things. So when I start to analyze, I begin to know that I'm not doing something wrong. Don't let the devil deceive you with uncertainty. Hallelujah. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. That he was come from God. And went to God. Amen. Amen. Jesus now knew that he was come from God. And that he went to God. Amen. Are you getting ready to stop work? Stand to your feet everybody. Lord prepare me. To be a sanctuary. Pure and holy. Tried and true. With thanksgiving. I'll be a Sanctuary to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, and true. To be tried and true. Responsible. Amen. Amen. Responsible. With little things. That are given to you. He's preparing you. Not to be moved by the uncertainties. That we are plagued with. One person. Naughtiness. Pride. Whatever. I mean. So many accusations in one go. But thank God. I said thank God. Hallelujah. Sit down. Lord prepare me. Be a sanctuary. Pure and holy. Pure and holy. Tried and true. Tried and true. I'll be a living sanctuary sanctuary for you. 
God is doing in preparing you is to make you not to be intimidated by your youthfulness. Amen. Verse 33. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't be worried about your youthfulness. What are the problems of young people? One of them is irresponsibility. When you are young, because you haven't built anything, you haven't bought anything, you are irresponsible. You use things mess around but you see you can have the mind of a 60 year old person in a 25 year old body I see you having that in Jesus name and it is important for your mind to develop you must grow up quickly and have a good mind a mature mind prepare yourself even in your thinking you'll be mellow and mature are you listening are you listening so you need not to be scared by the fact that you are so young there is an era in which God uses young people yeah because he has no choice than to use young people and I tell you in the church huh? God is beginning to do a new thing with young people in some years to come many of the people who are seen as very young will be the leaders of this church and many of the people who are seen to be older in the church we've been around we've been whatever will be led by the young ones if they are still around mercy because God is not allowing a traffic jam caused by your failure to move on there are other movers who want to move on and who want to press on and do the will of God and do the work of God hallelujah Hallelujah. Are you listening? Are you ready to move on in spite of the fact that you are young? You see, when you are young, they are afraid that we are going to commit fornication because we have a lot of feelings. Is that not so? They, they, they think that by all means we will fall into immorality because we are young. We are moving around by all means something like that will come up somewhere once you see a young man you see young ladies moving around there's something that will be there you get it but not always in fact 
I was reading an article and it was saying that only 10% or 11% of ministers or pastors fall into immorality. Yeah, a very small percentage of pastors actually get into something like that. You may get the impression that a lot of people fall into immorality, but it's actually a very small percentage whoever and I see you falling outside that small percentage in the name of Jesus. What do you think? When you can't say that a pastor, a young man, you are in a church with members, young ladies and others are moving around by all means. No, not by all means. Don't put something on us. Why do you want to stereotype us? Do you understand when I say stereotype? Stereotype means it's like this is the type. As soon as we we, we, we just associate you with something and it's like you can't escape that picture. And that's what people want to do. You want to put a picture on us and say, yes, you fit in exactly. You are one of these. Not always. It's not everybody who does that. Amen. Do you believe in what I'm saying? By his grace, we shall make it. Do you believe that we can make it? We have feelings, but by his grace, we shall control them. What do you think? Yeah? We can contain the beast. <laughs> Chain the beast. The beast. Mercy. Allay the beast. That is why I encourage you to get married. Young. Marry as a young. Don't wait till you are so many, many years old. Uh, if you do that, all your desire will get finished. Bible, Bible says, you see, there's something we call heart failure, kidney failure, liver failure, intestinal failure, and other failure. But we also have desire failure. Zelu failure. Where it is in the Bible, it says, where desire shall fail. There's no interest. So that the old people, they see the young people holding themselves. They are What are they doing? Are they animals? You see, what we are interested in and what we desire, they are not even nice things. The Bible talks about the uncomely parts. Do you understand when I say uncomely parts? You don't understand. If you don't understand, I won't say I won't say what I'm going to say. Uncomely parts. Onushishi. Huh? Without desire, you can never have these youthful activities. Desire is also something without it, you will never desire it. Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying. You you get it. Desire is a special thing that is given, and it is in young people. But you see, that desire and that drive can be redirected into the work of God and the ministry of Jesus Christ. And you can use that young, that strength. You see, a dog 
when you castrate it, it becomes phlegmatic. And it just eats a lot. And not only does it not chase the women, but it does not fight as it should fight. One day I went into a house, a very big station at airport residential area like this. And I was terrified. And the lady said, she was telling me, she said, it's not this dog. And she just did something and the dog just ran away there. Castrated, no power, no zelu, no aggressiveness, nothing. Huh? So sexual desire is linked to a drive to accomplish. Oh yeah. If I take away your hormones that give you a sexual interest and desire, I would also be taken away that thing which can drive you to build a church. <laughs> You are surprised, you see. You are surprised that there could be anointing in the testicles. <laughs> Is it stupendous? <laughs> you are surprised that the anointing and the work of God can be connected to the balls. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. You are bowing down your head about what? Uh-huh. It's a good message. It's a good message. Uh-huh. You see, so as they were accusing David that he's too young, you get it. It's actually that youthfulness that gave him the ability to fight. Look at how he held Goliath. If you cut off a head, can you imagine how terrible? It's not, first of all, it's not a clean cut. Until the last piece of skin is disconnected, and then you hold the head like that. Big head, blood everywhere. And he held it. They chased all the Philistines the whole day. David was still holding the, the guy's head. And then in the evening, he brought the head to Saul's house to show it to Saul. If I David, it was some way. That is why in his old age, when he was dying on his bed, they brought him a naked woman to keep him warm. When he didn't resurrect, when he saw the younger, they said, oh, now there he's dead. Now dear David is dead. <laughs> because for David not to be resurrected by this lady that has been brought down David of all people is dead <laughs> Tetelestai is over <laughs> that is how they used to know that he was dead <laughs> desire was I mean totally he was totally dead he brought him a young girl to keep him warm go and read your, the end of David's life yeah he looked at the room. Uh, is it David who is too beautiful girl that has been brought? Then uh, 
the, work, the ministry is over. <laughs> is it not stupendously amazing? So that thing, that sexual desire is connected to a drive that you may not know about. That is why the dog becomes both not interested in the female dog, but also not interested in attacking and backing and fighting for the things it ought to fight for. So thank God for the young people. Because sometimes you see the old man, they look at you. <laughs> One day I went to somebody's house. He had a wife and his daughters. He was selling his house many years ago. So we wanted to buy his house. So we asked him, How much is your house? I don't know. You can ask the girls, How much is the house? So I said, Who? <laughs> How can we? But I don't know. You see the women. Anything they say. Whatever they say. Zelu is finished. Interest is finished. To build, no desire. To own, no desire. To acquire, no desire. To sell, no desire. To make profit, no desire. And they lie by their wives as dead bodies. You see, if you marry, if you marry somebody who is about twenty years older than you, you you may think initially. You see, like I'm about twenty years older than many of you. Initially, it may look as though there's no difference, but as time goes on, you see. I remember one lady; she came and said, "Ah, now I've married this old man." Because you see, as you add 20 to 20, by the time you are 40, you are now understanding what life is about. The man is now retiring. It's now 60. Zelu. He's trying to get finished. So one lady, she was complacent. My, I've married an old man. And by then, many of the women have now understood what sex is about. The man Zelutu has finished. You don't like my message, you see. It's also a message. <laughs> it's a good message I'm preaching this evening. <laughs> so, brothers, you see, that desire you have for girls and for women and for marriage and all those things is frightening. Sometimes you are scared. How many are scared sometimes by it? Uh-huh. It's frightening, but that is also what gives you a drive for God. It's amazing. They are connected. One pastor, one brother, he went to fornicate and he came and said, I want to be castrated. I want to be castrated so that my problem will go away. I am always fornicating. I'm always fornicating. I want to be castrated. Just remove this thing so that I, I am free. No desire. I said, brother, you cannot be castrated. <laughs> Is it not amazing? 
So sometimes what we are even thinking is a bad thing is actually connected to a good thing. Oh yeah. And that's what gives us the interest for a man to even approach a woman and say, I like you. And what you have, your equipment. <laughs> Zazu. Amen. So, when you are accusing somebody of being young, not knowing that you are actually attacking the thing which can actually be used for the greatest good. I tell you. You see what God has used us to accomplish. When I was 25 years old, I was a pastor. Yeah. When I was 25 years old, I was a pastor. And I've been a pastor since then been working for God when I was 16 years old I was visiting doing every time one day I went to visit I went to visit somebody at the person was working in a shop when I got to the shop around Dankwa Circle I heard somebody say in the chair oh boyfriend you know they, they, they thought I was a boyfriend and I was coming on visit I don't blame them because when you see a young person visiting doing this you, you by all means think I don't blame anybody who thought that I was sleeping with my mind before I got my. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's a normal thought. Yeah, it's a normal thought. It's not, it's not an abnormal thought. Do you see? But it's that same youthfulness that is connected to your greatness. Huh? Look at the things Solomon built. 1,000 women. The Zelu was there fully. Can you imagine the number of outdoorings? And baby dedications. He had such a desire. But he was also connected to his ability to build. He had a zelu to build. You see. So you need to control. That's why you should marry young. And start having sex young. Don't wait. Some of the parts of your body, they've been ready for use since about 14, 15 years old. They are ready for use. <laughs> You don't like my message. <laughs> I'm preaching a good message. <laughs> They've been ready. They are lying dormant. They are working. They are good equipment. Everything. You see, sometimes when you wait till you are so old, the thing dies it cannot be used for anything only to wee wee and then that, that's all it cannot work again <laughs> uh, 
You don't like the message that I'm preaching, right? I'm preaching a good message. So, the fact that you are young is not a curse, it's a blessing. It's a blessing from God. And rather than waiting till we are how many years old, we should decide that I am going to marry as a young person. And you see that our parents, many of them, you ask them when you were born. And when they got married, you see that you were not born within the marriage. So they don't understand our kind of marriage, holiness, you have to marry before whatever. So they don't help in those things. Because they don't understand it. In their mind, we know you are sleeping together. Only don't become pregnant, that's all. And if you become pregnant, abort it. Don't come and tell us at all. Just abort it and be there. Is it not true? Is it not true? Yeah. Because they themselves were wild fornicators. Yeah, you don't know your mother, your mother, your father. In fact, <laughs> if you see them when they were very fresh and very beautiful, you'd be very surprised. So, God has designed you. You are ready. You are ready for use. What are, what are you waiting for? And when you marry, you must use your equipment regularly. You see, like an aeroplane. The more it flies, the safer it is. Yeah. Yes. It, the aeroplanes, they, don't, they never stay on the ground. They are always flying. The more it flies, the better it is for the plane. They land two hours, they are off. They don't sleep at all. Use the equipment that God has given to you as a young person. Because a time will come when a grasshopper lands on your arm like that. Grasshopper, go away, grasshopper. You can't even shake your hand. Go away, grasshopper, go away. The grasshopper is on your side. Go away, grasshopper. Go away. The grasshopper has become a burden. No desire. And when you see people spoiling the chairs or around goose and other things, you just look at them and say, What are you doing to the church? Why? Why? Stop what you are doing. The grasshopper has become a bed. How much more an oranku? You cannot even deal with such people. You don't have the strength. So your youth is an advantage. When you are young, you have energy and faith. Young people have more faith than older people. You see, one day, my faith, if it were not for the grace of God, I wouldn't have faith again. Because of some of the things that I've seen. If it were not for the grace of God, I wouldn't have faith. You see, one day, I was very sick. And I was a strong faith message. I told you that church where 47 people died. And before the pastor too died. I was going to be the pastor who died. I was about to die. I said that we never take medicine. Never. I believe I receive. I was in the room dying. It was getting to the end of my life. Then suddenly, eh, 
I turned to my right, bedside table. There was a little monkey sitting on the table. A demon. I tell you, I saw it right there. And then I got up. I've, and I knew immediately that there was something wrong. For me to see the devil standing there just by me, about to kill me. So I went and I took medicine and I got well. <laughs> if it were I become mellow. At first I used to, I see someone say, oh, why you don't have faith? Why are you sick? If you have faith. A certain church I know, if you die before 70, they will not bury you in the church. By faith, you must be more than 70. Uh, Jesus could not easily be in that church. I went to pray for a sister, one of our church members, 25 years old. I sat on her bed. I tell you, I've seen people dying. And that was the last time I saw her. She looked at me and she said, Bishop, are you afraid? Because I could, I could see that she was there. I put her, my hand on her head. She had some bumps, big bumps that had appeared on her head. And she had other things. She said to me, Bishop, are you afraid? Hey! I was afraid like something. But I look at her and say, Oh no, I'm not afraid. <laughs> so, oh no. By his stripes, you are healed. <laughs> hey! You, you, are, you are healed. I told her, I was afraid like a rat that was being chased with a hockey stick. <laughs> she died screaming screaming suffering screaming shouting she died 25 I preached at a funeral if it wasn't for the grace of God I wouldn't have faith another church member that we had in Teshi a faithful church member he developed cancer. I went to the hospital, prayed for him. Next time I heard, he was dead. And on and on and on and on. If it were not for the grace of God, I wouldn't have faith. As you grow older and you see more sinazos, your faith is called santribo. Your heart is broken. Faith goes out. Shabbat cracked that's why young people sometimes have a greater advantage because they they believe and the older ones I I still believe but you see my friend's father died and he called me that his father had died and I said no he cannot die Matthew 10 verse 5 says raise the dead cleanse the lepers, cast out devils, freely have you received, freely give. I said, come and pick me from the house and let's go. I'm going to raise him from the dead. I called him, come and raise me. I was at Osu, he was at La, Laboni. I said, come and pick me. I'm going to raise. 
You see, I had faith. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Faith. So he came with his father's bands and carried me to the hospital, picked me, and as we go, I said, I told them, there were two of them, I said, start speaking in tongues. He's my classmate. He's, he's also a doctor now. I said, start speaking in tongues. Speak. Shabada, Faith. You see, today, if you call me that somebody is dead, <laughs> you understand? <laughs> I don't think I'll behave in that way. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why, you see, a young person will believe. But you see, to be prepared, it means you become mellow and mature. They took me. I never, I didn't even, it was recently I found a hospital at Dan. So I went there and I said, this is the place I came to raise the dead. I took my wife. I said, this hospital, I have come here to raise the dead before. A very rich man used to work for the United Nations. He was dead in the hospital. When we got to the hospital, I said, we want to see Mr. So-and-so. So he's dead and we want to see. The nurse opened the door and they had put his plaster Written his name on Mr. So and so and so and so, tied his hands and so on. So we're there, and I told the next, Can you excuse us, please? Go out, please. We want to. <sighs> Faith. Do you understand? Hope. Hope. <clears throat> and we pray, we began to say, Pray, he's going to rise from the dead. We are here to raise him from the dead. <sighs> We prayed and prayed and prayed. It wasn't right. I said, listen, when Jesus went <laughs> to, <laughs> when Peter and John went to whatever, they took the dead, the, the man by the hand. They said, something good have I and none, but such I have. They took his hand and they lifted him up in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. So I told them, untie his hands. <laughs> so the bandage that they had used to tie his hands was lying on the standard. They untied it. Then everybody was standing. I held the hand. I held this and said, in the name of Jesus Christ of the, whose I am and whom else, I command you to write and pull him out of the man. <laughs> but you see, in the end, when they came to sack us from the place, I said, look, <laughs> I said, listen, listen, these people, <laughs> you listen, I said, these people, these people don't have faith. They are obstructing the work of God. You let's go home. We are going to continue believing God from there. We prayed until he was buried. We never believed that he would not rise from the dead. After that, somebody came to call me. They said, somebody is dead at Labadi. I said, where is the person? Meet me there. And I went to Labadi. To <laughs> hey. <laughs> Because I read in the Bible. Do you understand? I believe what I was reading. <laughs> I could read it for myself. I'll read it for you because I know you don't see. A command of Jesus to actually raise the dead. And as you go forth, preach saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Matthew 10 verse 8. Heal the sick. Cleanse, it is a try to heal. Number two, cleanse the lepers. Don't try, cleanse them. Number three, raise the dead. Don't try, raise them. Don't bury them, raise them. 
cast out devils freely have you received freely give and i was thinking lord if you raise these people i couldn't understand why god would not raise them from bed and you see david who killed a lion and a bear later on when they were going to war he didn't go the person who can kill lions and bears he didn't go he's now in the house watching Bathsheba as she's batting <laughs> so what i'm trying to tell you is that when you are young there are advantages i tell you faith and without faith honestly i prefer to preach to young people than to preach to older people the older people don't believe even my pastors the younger people sometimes when i'm there i'm talking people gather around it's usually the younger people so that you see the older people they are going it's like they are big short they are tired they are whatever they are busy and so they know what i'm saying and so they are not interested in all those things they are not interested the younger ones who are interested in i also like people who are interested in what i'm doing you understand and i also talk to them that's it yeah old people they don't have hope they don't have they've seen too many troubles too many seniors some have become widows at a young age spinsters or what do you widowers it's marvelous but thank god in your youth you can, have you ever wondered why god used jesus as a young person from the age of about 29 30 31 32 33 finish those are the best years of your life and you think Barclays bank should have the best years of your life god should get when your gray matter has now begun to decay ronald reagan he just they buried him today he could only remember when he was a lifeguard at a swimming pool he cannot remember that he was ever the president yeah if you visit he could not remember that he was the president of america ever he only remembers when he was a lifeguard at a swimming pool that's all he can remember as he's sitting there in the way don't you remember your president you come ordered them to bomb a, uh, a libya and this at all his mind has gone off i mean he's decayed do you understand what i'm talking about yeah these are the best years and so when they are rather using the youthfulness as an insult you must know that the youthfulness is an advantage that's when your mind is thinking your mind is working properly look even me i don't know how to use a computer because computers came after my time but now almost all of you know how to use the computer is that not so emails and so on but computer came just after my era I, I don't I don't know how to type I've tried I've been to typing school but I still don't know how to type I went to sight and sound typing school <laughs> are you listening to me yeah. are you glad you are young yeah. yeah do you know the most prescribed drug in the world a drug to give a man desire again viagra surprising that's why i tell young wives you see your husband is coming to you every day thank god thank god the thing is working you don't understand my message anymore 
when I, when I, when I give a good message, you become quiet. <laughs> So they will use the youthfulness to frighten you that you will fall. You by all means you will fall. I know. You are a young man. You are a young woman. You don't know have experience. You will fall. But very few fall. That's what that's news I'm telling you. Very few fall. Very few pastors ever fall into immorality. Real immorality. It is very it's uncommon. It's far more common for pastors to not fall into such things. Are you encouraged? How many are encouraged by that information? I knew that you would be encouraged. Because the devil, when you have the feeling that he fights, you see, you are a bad man. Nobody in the church has these ideas except you. Meanwhile, everybody has the ideas. Is it not amazing? Is it not stupendous? Are you glad you are a young person? You never knew that the anointing was connected to so many things. Brothers, when you go home, just look there and thank God for the grace of God that is connected to all these things. Eh? <laughs> Give the Lord a shout of praise, somebody. <laughs> I tell you, it's marvelous. Amen. Are you glad you came for your camp? All right. We have almost finished. And uh, what does it say? And thy servant kept his father's sheep. And I said, Thou art but a youth, but in verse 34, David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. There came a lion and a bear and took it. And I caught him by his beard. Hey! A beard of a lion. And I smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine. Now notice verse 37 And David said moreover The Lord that delivered Me out of the paw of the lion And out of the paw of the bear Now when he said that I knew immediately That it was a real lion Because one of the things If you ever get a chance to watch the wildlife Is that they use their paws If a, a, a lion hits you You Look, I was looking at a film, a lady, she has got one arm. She went near the tiger's cage and the tiger removed the arm. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. The tiger removed her arm. <laughs> With the paw. And I was watching the documentary. The woman is left with one arm and she was standing and they wanted to kill the tiger. And she told them that she shouldn't, she shouldn't kill the tiger. She came too near the cage and the tiger... Remove her arm with the paw. I tell you, it's not just the teeth. So when David said the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, that the Lord had delivered me, because that tiger didn't come out with the teeth. It was through the bars. They showed the cage where the woman came to. And the tiger came out with the 
arm like that and remove her arm. <laughs> you know, David was not a small person. No? Maybe all these are the reasons why God used him. Because in those days to be a king, you must be a fighter and a killer. And he used and today to be a good pastor, you must be a good leader. You must get the leadership books. You must study them. You must read them. You must learn them. Just like those days to be a good leader, you must be a good killer. In these days, you must be a good leader. Because now we don't use physical strength. We use wisdom and leadership to lead the way. That's why the white man is ruling us. Because he's used leadership and wisdom to develop his world. It's not going to be as easy to go abroad as it used to. Now everybody has a f- the fingerprint and eye. Check your eyes. When you go, when you are going to America, the last time we we're going, they, they, you stand there like that. Then they do your eye, they scan your eye, and they do your finger. Anybody who comes there, those who are using people's passports and all those things, some will discover. So, ladies and gentlemen. Serving God and deciding on the wisdom and leadership that you need is what you need to get. Not Kung Fu. Today when you have Kung Fu and all those, the, all the good Chinese films, they are old age films. Where there are no cars, no whatever. If you want to watch a good one, there are, there's no cars in those days. You just fight and you just do snake, whatever, eagle, cat's paws, uh, what? Tiger, snake face, different things, eagle, cat's paw, various things. Snake and crane, various things. Drunken master. Those are, there was no car, no gun, nothing. Just hands. Today, the world is different. You need astute leadership. You need to be sharp in wisdom. That's what is going to make you a good king. Not kung fu fighting, killing with paw. I just have to bring my gun and I look at it. I may be the weakest human being on earth. I just pull out my gun, pa, and I can make the lion sleep. And I can sleep with it until it wakes up. It cannot do anything to me. That's technology and wisdom. It's now higher than brute strength. But in David's time, it was physical fighting, strategic fighting, holding a beard of a lion and avoiding the paws when it pa, coming to remove your, your arm. <laughs> but David knowing that he was going to become a king was developing these kung fu fighting and avoiding of pause killing by holding beards slings and other strategies preparation to kill Philistines in the future what do you prepare books tapes especially leadership you need to read because many of us are not good leaders you need to be able to lead your life lead yourself and then be able to lead others if you cannot lead yourself you cannot lead anybody are you excited are you glad to be young are you glad to learn kung fu fight spiritual kung fu fighting 
uh, killing of bears and avoiding paws the paw of the bear and the paw of the lion when i read it i knew that it was a real that's actually what david said not that god delivered me from a lion but he knew what he was dealing with when he was dealing with a lion and a bear the paw i've seen one before the arm was removed <laughs> so what instead of learning all these cat killing with paws and what will you learn leadership wisdom huh amen now verse 37 a last point in david's preparation david said moreover the lord delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear he deliver me and Saul armed David with his armor and he put a helmet of brass upon his head and also he armed him with a coat of mail and David gathered his sword upon his armor and he assayed to go he he, 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 he he didn't want to go are you listening or he tried to go he tested you get it for he had not proved it and David said to Saul when he tested it he said I cannot go with this for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. Look, this is an experienced fighter. A rehearsed killer. David was an experienced killer. To prepare means to rehearse. He, was, he knew they would kill him. You see, there are some things you know it won't work. It won't work. Have you played table tennis before? When somebody knows how to serve and he serves a certain way and you play the ball and you should know it won't go over the net or it will, it will go to the left or to the right. right. When you see somebody and the way he's playing and he, he, you should know immediately. Don't just try to hit the ball. Experience to tell you this is not going to. Bible says he tried it and it will work. I'm a killer. I'm a killer of bears, killer of lions. I've done my rehearsals. It won't work. I know what will not work and I know what will work. Are you listening to me? So ladies and gentlemen, when we do our rehearsal well, we will know the messages that will not work at certain places. And we will know the things that cannot work. And the time that you should never try certain things. And places that you should not even try to start a church. You should know by rehearsal. And David, you could see, was experienced. If I go, the man will kill me. I know he will kill me. In this armor. Oh, please. I'm not going anywhere. Are you glad that David had experience? That's what saved his life. He was almost killed by Saul. In his Saul's armor. And he took his staff in his hand. And chose him five smooth stones. Out of the brook. And put them in a shepherd's bag. Which he had. Even in the script. Are you listening? And he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistines came and drew near unto David. And the man that bare the shield went before him. Hallelujah. Now, tomorrow we will do the last bit about David's. Uh, remind me, and uh, we will continue. But I just want you to notice that David was a very experienced person. Very, very, very. That Goliath that he killed was not the first fight, it was not lucky, a lucky fight. It was a fight of an experienced killer. A deadly killer. He knew how to kill with slings, by beard, avoiding paws, 
He was a, he was a spirit. And he knew when armor wouldn't work. When they put it on, he knew no, this will not work, this will not work, this will not work, this will not work, this will not work. Experience. May you be experienced for the day that the Lord will test your life. Stand to your feet, everybody. Tell somebody, I'm glad that the Lord made me who I am. Amen. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy. Tried and true With thanksgiving I'll be a living I'll be a living sanctuary For you Father we thank you for your word today We bless your name Bless us Lord as we go to our rooms And as we break Bring us fresh law to receive. Let us not leave this camp the way we came, but ready to do your will and to serve you in a special way. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. How many are blessed at the camp? Wonderful.